In today's show, I'm going to be talking to Rafael Barlow of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast about some NBA draft prospects, including Cade Cunningham, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today we begin our NBA draft preview session now in full disclosure. I'm recording this show a little bit of time in advance as I am attempting to take another holiday after my first one got cancelled. This one might get cancelled as well. We will see, but I am attempting to take another holiday. So uh, this one is being recorded a little bit of time in advance. I am here with one of the hosts of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, which you, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out. We've got a bunch of hosts there doing tons of great draft work. We want to talk to Rafael Barlow today about six prospects across the NBA draft. So, hey, we might as well get into that right now. All right, so here we are. We are joined by Rafael Barlow, as I said, one of the hosts of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, which, uh, uh, Rafael, how many shows a week do you host over on the Locked On NBA Draft podcast? Two days a week, every Monday and Thursday. Well, there you go. You can go check out Rafael's deep draft takes over there on um, on uh, Locked On NBA Draft. But as you can see, if you are watching this video at the top of the screen, we're just going to go straight into it because we're going to talk about the guy who's been the number one prospect in this draft for... I feel like three years maybe. And that is, of course, Cade Cunningham of Oklahoma State. Raphael, is that hyperbole to say he's been the number one player in this class for the last three years? Uh, maybe, yeah, I, I would say so. I know for sure, too. I think at one point, some people thought it was Evan Mobley. And then it was like they were down on Mobley for a while. And then he came back up once this college basketball season started. Um, some people had Jalen Green up there, but for the most part, I- I'd say it's been Cade. Now, let's let's for people who don't know who Cade Cunningham is, let's give it an overview. He's a, he's a six foot eight point guard, point forward, lead ball handler type, and people will look at his numbers here, Raphael. This is the thing we've got to get get out of it because I did see this criticism somewhere written that said, "Oh, yeah, Cade, he's not he's not a good passer because he averaged you know twenty points with three and a half assists." But let's mm-hmm. let's just dispel that right now. Well, you can disagree with me if you want, but the fact that he averaged three and a half assists does not take away the fact that he is uh, yeah, the best passer in this draft class and one of the best passers coming to the NBA over the last few years. Uh, I wouldn't say he's the best. I mean, I think oh, really? the, you, the, 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 the your Australian homeboy Ooh. might be the best. <laughs> he's coming up later <laughs> this show. But yeah, you know what's really interesting is that at this time last year, the one thing that people were pretty much I'm trying to think of the best word to describe but the one thing that people felt was that K that you knew K brought to the table was being a phenomenal passer and playmaker and the one thing that there was concerns about was his outside shooting and those two things flip-flopped during the season he was a great shooter set over 40 percent from three and he wasn't able to showcase the passing ability that many people expected he actually had more turnovers than assists, which is probably the biggest wart on his resume 
from his freshman year. But other than that, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's a really good passer. I think he's a, a lead ball handler. There's been some de- debate about that. Um, I just don't think that he was able to really showcase it. And for whatever reasons. Um, but no, I, 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 I'm not too concerned about, about the passing ability. I think he'll be more of a dangerous passer in the NBA with NBA floor spacing and, and he'll have more shooters around him when, when there's doubles. So I think the passing numbers are not a good indicator or the assist numbers are not a good indicator of the level of passer and playmaker that he is. Now you mentioned that now heading into the season there were some concerns about his shooting, but yeah, he hit forty percent of his threes on almost six attempts per game. He's at eighty five percent from the line. Is that a a outlier small sample? It's one hundred and fifty attempts. Is it something we still have concerns about? Like where are you sitting with with his shooting? Is it a mechanics thing that leads you to have some level of concern? Like we don't obviously we don't expect him to come in and be a forty percent NBA shooter from three straight away. But is he like going to be a say 32 33% Luka Doncic shooter from 3 or is it you know, going to be more 35 36 in that you know acceptable but not elite range No that's a very good question as far as it being an outlier season I, I don't think so I think he just put in the work and if you look at his attempts I broke it down I had an article on my on my website that you can make a case or at least I can, made a case that he was the best shooter in the country simply because the degree of difficulty on the shots was a lot more tougher than, you know, Corey Kispert, for example. Um, Kispert was coming off screens and he was wide open. Not on all his attempts, but he had, you know, Jalen Suggs. He had other guys around him. You know, Drew Timmy drew a lot of attention. In Cade's case, there was nobody that was drawing attention. Very few of his three-point shots were assisted. He had to create a lot of those. Um, he shot a, a a large amount of step backs and tough contested shots. So for him to shoot 40% without really anybody creating opportunities for him gives me hope that, you know, once he gets to the NBA and he has better floor spacing and better teammates, that he could really be like a, a 38, 39% shooter. And I think he can get up to the 40s in his prime. The other thing that's really interesting about his three-point shooting is that over half of his attempts were unassisted. So he's uh, this yep. is yeah, pull-up threes, self-created threes, which are the hardest type of threes to take and to make, and he's still hitting them at that you know, really, really high level. Um, defensively, like we see some of these guys come in. Let's refer back to Luca again because this is we're talking about these highly rated passing guard wing prospects, and Luca had the concerns on defense. Cade doesn't quite have those same uh, defensive concerns, does he? No, I mean, I think with this size and strength, he, he may be able to defend up to four positions. So I don't really have any concerns about his defense. So let's let's just, before we wrap up on Kate here, one, one last thing. If in terms of you're rating him as a prospect coming in versus, say, Zion Williamson versus Lamelo Ball versus Luka Doncic over the last three years, who, you know, or you could even say Anthony Edwards for last year, like where does he sort of sit in that in that group of, of uh, players in terms of you know, NBA generational type prospects talents. Oh man, you put me on the hot seat with this one. Uh, all right, I'll put it like this. I think that he's much easier to build around than Zion. I think the Pelicans are going to have a tough time building around Zion simply because Zion plays like a center, but he's what six, five. And so in order to find a complimentary center for him if you're going to play him at the four or at the the five is going to be tough because you have to find a big that can defend and protect the rim 
but also knock down open shots. Those guys don't grow on trees. So I think Cade is more of a plug and play, and he may be able to be easier to build around and contribute to winning. Uh, I would say Luca won. Um, let's see. Yeah, Luca won. You know what? I'll go ahead and say Cade at, at, at number two behind Luca. Yeah, that's that's how I would have had it too, being uh, you know, less involved in the NBA draft world than you. But that's that's the order that I would have had those two in heading into uh, into Cade's rookie season. We all expect him to go number one now. Before we get on to the next prospect, Raphael, I got to tell you, and I'm sure you know about it because I got to tell you about Bilt Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar ever. Have you had a Bilt Bar? Yes, they yes, are. I have birthday cake. Birthday cake, not, the not a, white chocolate birthday cake. It's not available anymore. That's they they no. take they take the flavors, the good ones in and out. Like my favorite was the the white chocolate raspberry cheesecake, and that's gone as well. I'm waiting for it to come back. But Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever because it's not just like your standard protein bars that taste like cement. It's like a, a candy bar, but it's actually good for you because we're talking high protein, high fiber, but low calorie and low sugar. There's nine delicious flavors plus these occasional random ones that they chuck in. And when they do chuck in a new one, make sure you go and grab it. But if you don't know what your favorite flavor is, go grab a mixed box. It's 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each flavor, and then you can find out what your favorite flavor is. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Com. Okay, next player. Now, you referenced him already, Raf. So let's talk about Josh Giddy, who is, of course, uh, yeah, he's, he's from Australia. He played for the Adelaide 36ers in the NBL. And like Cade Cunningham, he is a six foot eight guard. He's 18 years of age. He averaged 11 points in the NBL, but seven and a half boards, seven and a half assists. His shooting is a pretty significant worry, but you made a claim that you think he is the best passing uh, player in this draft. Okay, so what what sort of a, a passer are we talking about here with Giddy? Phenomenal. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. Phenomenal. And what I really like the most about Giddy as a passer is his confidence. Like those passes that he tries and whips across the court, it's it's a high degree of difficulty, but it takes a lot of guts to think that, you know, I can squeeze this one hand cross court skip pass in this tight window through the defense and hit my guy in the shooting pocket. He feels like he can do it and he does it. So I love that about him. And, you know, in my opinion, the the gap between based off of their performance in Australia but the gap between LaMelo Ball and Josh Giddy is not that that big. I think they were very similar as far as just how they played. And, you know, both were triple-double threats. Both were exciting to watch, you know, had like this little flash and flare to their games. And both guys are, you know, kind of came in – or I should say both guys shooting is the one thing that, you know, that if you look at the raw numbers, the shooting numbers weren't efficient. But it's just something about the way that they can energize a game, energize their teammates, that it's it's like this intangible that, that doesn't always show up on the box score. Yeah, you're right. Some of the stuff that he was attempting was pretty outrageous in the NBL for a guy who was 18, playing in a, 18, yeah. a, a men's league where these guys are 24, 25, 28, and they're, they're super strong. The shooting is bad. There's no doubt about that. 29% from three, 69% from the line. Um do you have, is he that bad of a shooter? Is he just a complete, absolute 
non-entity where teams can just leave him alone out there? Or is there, is there room for that to improve? Because those indicators are pretty poor at the moment. Well, he's 18. And, you know, I, I think at least for me, to my knowledge, I, I thought at the beginning of the season, he was someone that he's going to have a buzz around his name, but I would not have been surprised if he decided to do one more year in Australia and then enter the NBA at what, 19. But he has such a strong year that, you know, he has, he, you know, he's in a range to be a lottery pick. And as far as the shooting at the end of the day, he's 18 years old. Nobody's a finished product at 18. If it takes him four years to develop into a league average shooter, you still have plenty of time. So I'm not too concerned about it. I felt like his shot was a little slow and I've seen some videos where it looks like they've tried to speed it up a little bit, but he's more of a, a guy that I think in, you know, by the end of his rookie contract, he should be a, a respectable shooter. Now you talked about speeding his shot up because it was a little bit slow. What about his overall athleticism? Because anytime a white guy comes into the NBA, they're going to be like, "Oh, he's not. He's unathletic. He's slow." And there is some of that concern with Giddy that he's he's not doesn't have particularly huge you know, pop or he's not super fast. But to me, when watching him, the way the speed that w- which he reads the game and the speed at which he moves the ball around sort of does nullify that. Now that's working in the NBL. Do you still see the way that his brain is processing things and, and the passing speed and, and ball movement can account for some of that lack of athleticism and speed? Or do you not think that that's even a problem to begin with? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are going to be some concerns, but there's like different forms of athleticism, you know, yeah. when, when when Luca came into the league, they were like, oh, he's slow. He's not going to be able to get by defenders. And it doesn't matter what type of defender they put in front of him. He still finds a way to get to the basket. Now, I'm not saying Josh and Luca are similar, but they're both guys that they're not going to pass the eye test as far as athleticism. But what makes Giddy such an interesting prospect to me is I've, Never seen a guy who you look at and say he's slow, but you also look at him and say he's best suited in an up-tempo offense. He's best suited to play fast. Usually, like, that's just a weird kind. It's like an oxymoron in a sense. But the way that he's able to move the ball, the way that, you know, he makes plays in the open court, I don't think it has any – I don't think his lack of, you know, ideal athleticism is going to be too much of an issue on the offensive end because he has great size. And if you put him on a team with athletes, I mean, he's going to get that rebound. And he, I mean, he's going to find them for touchdown like passes in open court. So as long as he's the team is running and playing fast, I think that that benefits him as far as defensively. Defensively. Yeah. I mean, I think teams are going to target him, which they're going to target any rookie, um, but he does have good length and he does have good pace to his game. So on the offensive end, if you put him in ball screens, he has like this this pace where he, he lets plays develop and then his processing speed, like you mentioned, will get guys open and make plays. So I think that offsets whatever lack of vertical pop and explosiveness that he has. Last question on Josh Key before we do. Like- Josh Giddy at some point, he could lead uh, an NBA team to the playoffs. And our Road to the Finals NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. In terms of Giddy, what's a, a, an upper end for where he you can get picked in this draft? Obviously, there is. To me, there's a top four versus a, you know, a lot of people think there's a top five. Yeah, can he slide into the top 10, top eight? 
top seven? Like, where do you think is a realistic range for Giddy to be drafted? Another tough question because, you know, if you look at most draft boards, the top five is pretty much set. There may be one guy, which is Scotty Barnes, who can possibly, who many feel that can possibly crack the top five. After that, seven through 14, I feel like it's, it can go all over the place. If Josh Giddy is picked at number 15, it wouldn't be surprising to me. If Golden State takes him at seven, I don't think that's too big of a reach. So, you know, if he's in the green room anytime after seven, I would be preparing to, to hear my name drafted. All right, let's talk about the next guy on this list, and that is Kai Jones, the big man from Texas. Um, 20 years of age, so a sophomore, a little bit older than these other two players. He's 6'11". He played most of the season coming off the bench for Texas. He averaged 9-5, and five, a block per game, um, you know, 58% field goals. He hit half a three a game, so yeah, a little bit of volume there from three at 38%, which is up from 29%. As a freshman, but still only the twenty-three minutes a game. Now his your draft range seems to be all over the place. So, what can you tell us about Jones? What's his What's his major strength as a player? Uh, well, he doesn't have strength for one. Um, as far as physically, um, his major strength is his athleticism and fluidity and upside. If you look at the numbers, which they're right there, they're not going to stand out to you like nine points, five rebounds. It is all about his upside and his potential. He, to me, is one of the biggest wild cards in this draft simply because if five years from now he's an all-star, I you know, I, I can see it. If five years from now he's playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv or Olympiacos, I can see it because he's so raw. And um, But, man, I mean, he's talented. He shot 38% from three, which anytime you're 6'11 and you can shoot 38% from three with that type of athleticism, like he is a very, very good athlete. One of the, I'd say probably one of the top five to 10 athletes in this draft. And so with his athleticism and shooting, even though the numbers were on a low volume of attempts, it's definitely going to make him a prospect that that is intriguing. He's pretty divisive. Some people are high on him. Some people are low on him. I will say his game is raw. He definitely needs to add some polish to his game. And, um, you know, he needs to get stronger, maybe even have a defined position. Some people feel like he may be a center. Some people feel like he has shown some. Uh, Raf, I think we might have lost you. Are you there? All right, I reckon we've... Uh... I reckon we've lost Raf here, so let's just uh, attempt to get him back. Are you there, Are you there Raf? No, your noise is. Uh, you yeah, sound. Yeah. Oh, you're back. All right. Oh, we we lost you there at the end of that that little uh, yeah, statement had, about had a rainstorm. Oh, it okay. like just started thundering. Sorry about that. So uh, let's let's hope we can uh, we can get this through. Um, but in in general, um, yeah, you're you're right. There is some consternation about the you know, position of because he does have that athleticism. And he's got a little bit of your know, ball handling ability as well, and and some shooting. Mm-hmm. What's he like defensively? Because again, he is almost seven foot tall. He's got a decent wingspan. Defensively, can he can he hold up? But well, the lack of weight and strength could be an issue in playing him at the five. But as far as like being able to switch and the fluidity, that's where I think he has a lot of upside. He has potential to be this switchy defender that can also block shots and protect the rim. And that is a rare combination. That is something hard to find, especially if you've watched the playoffs. You know, 
we've seen some guys get run off the floor that are considered great defenders. You know, for example, Rudy Gobert struggled against the Clippers because they spread him out. Um, I mean, we saw in the first round, Patrick Beverly, who's giving the Suns issues, could not defend Luka Doncic. He got ran off the floor. So, you know, defense is, is one of these things where in the playoffs, it's the most is one of the most important things. But can you defend in the playoffs is is the key. And so I think for him, he does if, if he is a five, he does have the versatility to where you can play him in a lineup and switch everything. Or he has the upside to where you can possibly switch everything. And I think that makes him um, a, a possible weapon on both ends of the floor. Like I said, if he is an all star, I wouldn't be stunned at all. But if he's out because he's still raw and there's some red flags there, that that wouldn't be shocking to me either. Raf, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs, well, they might actually be finished by the time that you listen to this podcast, but everything's still going over at bet online. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs. Before the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the championship. Use our promo code LOCKEDON on the website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online are your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's go on to the next guy now. We're going to talk Marcus Bagley. And if the name sounds familiar, yes, he is Marvin Bagley's brother. But, Raphael, he is not the same player as his brother. For a start, he is, uh, he's smaller, he's shorter. He's a 6'8", like, wing versus a you know, 6'11", power forward slash center. So that's where we can... Yeah, is, is there any similarities between Marvin and Marcus Bagley at, uh, at this point or at the point in their respective careers? Other than the last name, no. And other than the fact that they grew up in the same household and have the same parents, I would say absolutely not. So you're saying that's a that's a red flag there just because of, of the Bagley dad? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a red flag. I mean, for some people, it could be a positive because there are a lot of people that are disappointed in Marvin Bagley. And, I mean, one, the injuries on top of being in the draft class with Doncic and Trey Young and Aiden and being selected ahead of two of those guys – that, that's something that is out of his control, but, you know, I mean, it shouldn't be held against Marcus Bagley, which, like you said, they're totally different players. Marcus is a shooter. The shooting numbers don't look good on paper. Um, I, I want to say, like, I know the field goal percentage wasn't that high, and then what he shot from three was, I want to say it was like 34, 35%. Yeah, it was 34.7. So to me, for a guy that you're projecting to be a wing specialist or a three-point shooter, that's a little bit concerning. But on the outs, but but on the other hand, I see the potential as a, a wing that has some athleticism that can knock down open shots. And shooting in today's NBA is is so important. So I, I definitely see why he's an NBA prospect. I think ESPN at one point had him late first round. I think he's more so of a second round pick but he does have a defined role in the NBA. Yeah, so that that role is more likely just to be like a 3 and D type wing, not like a high usage, um, mm-hmm. not a high usage scoring wing or anything like that. Like where where is his defense? Because we can, the term 3 and D wing gets thrown around so much, but often those players are either all defense and can't hit threes or they're players who hit threes and can't defend well. So does he have mm-hmm. actually, you know, the 3. 35%, it's not terrible. It's not, it's not, Excellent. But does he have some defensive ability? Is he an average defender? Is he overrated on that end? What's his defense like? 
before I get into that, you said the term three and D gets thrown around a lot. I saw a tweet where someone called Ben Simmons the first two and D prospect, two and D player in the NBA. <laughs> we've all, you know, we've seen, you know, guys like Tony Allen that didn't really score a lot that defended, but I thought that was hilarious when they called him two and D. <laughs> it's accurate. I oh, did. I think Rafael just hit with another storm. All right, we'll, we'll wait for him to come back online here. Is uh, wherever the, the, the weather is uh, wreaking havoc with his internet connection. But we'll uh, we'll just wrap up wrap up on on Bagley again, uh, a player who he might be late first uh, second round player. Oh, you're back there, Raphael. The the storm got you again. Yeah, it's it's slowing down some. Um, yeah, I mean for like two minutes there, it was, it was pretty bad. All right, so um, let, let, let's move on to the, to the next guy here because yeah, we, we've spoken about Marcus Bagley here enough just to get an idea of what sort of a, a player he is. But the next guy we're going to talk about now, I hope I'm not going to mispronounce this guy's name, and that's Nemius Keta. Is that uh, how inaccurate was that? <laughs> it's close enough for me. It's clo- I think it's Kata. Kata, maybe, it is Kata. But- You're right. I I, cause I I looked at it before and then I completely like blanked on what it is. It is Kata. You are right. He is a seven foot center from Utah State. He's played three years in college, so he's been around you know, a while. Um, it, what sort of a player are we looking at here? Like I've, I've put the numbers up on the screen for people to have a look at, like the shooting um, overall efficiency stuff, like not a bad 70-plus you know, guy from the line. He averaged 15 and 10 this season. He averaged over three blocks per game. So is he coming in as one of those guys who in college he just blocks everything and is a real defensive beast, but he's going to struggle to be able to you know, stay on the, the court in the NBA? Is there any shooting upside in what he's able to do at all? Like what sort of a player is Nemius? He is a high-energy, athletic, defensive center. Um, if you just watch his highlights, you're like, this guy's a top 10 pick because it's a lot of dunks, a lot of athleticism, a lot of blocks out of his area. Uh, he's someone that I think his, his stock is probably rising a little bit just because of, you know, I think more people are starting to pay attention to him, you know, Playing at Utah State is, is not a place where you're going to get a, a whole lot of attention and a lot of TV games. Uh, I'm not saying that the NBA scouts, <laughs> you know, don't know about him, but I think that you know, as as time goes on, I think he's someone you could see his, his stock increase. But I mean, he just brings energy and and defense, and he's he's a good finisher. As far as being a switchy defender, you you would hope so, you would think so, because of how athletic and how fluid he is. He's not one of these guys where he's just a, a vertical athlete. So I think he does have some ability to to defend in the playoffs because, again, we've seen guys get ran off the floor in the playoffs. But, I mean, he's someone that I'm a Blazers fan, and Blazers don't have a pick. I would love to have him on Portland because Portland lacked athleticism on the front line. So we talk about you know, defensive big men and defensive backup big men who can come in and make an impact. And the number one name to me that, that generally stands out when thinking about that player is someone like a Nerlens Noel. Now, Noel's got a very different body here to cater. But is this a guy that can come in, play 20 minutes, you know, grab seven boards, block two shots, and, and be sort of a, a rim-protecting defensive game-changer in a short period of time? Or is that you know, comparison off? No, I don't. I don't think it's off. I mean, I think maybe for him, his upside could be Capella. Okay, that could be you know his upside, which I'm, I'm sure you would. Uh, whatever team drafts him would love to get a Capella out of him. And if you think about it, Capella was drafted late in the first round, spent his whole first year in uh, the G League, 
not the whole first year, but I'd say probably 90% of yeah, it. Yeah, I think he played about 10 games, didn't he, in his first year yeah. in the NBA? Yeah, and then they threw him in in the playoffs, which, yeah. was, which was interesting to me. They threw him in in the playoffs. So that would be like my best case scenario for Kata. Very, very interesting. He's a, he is an intriguing player three years in college. And the last guy I want to talk about, there are, there are going to be people who listen to this show, Raf, who have never heard of Vrenz Blyenberg. Um, he is a six foot ten forward um, out of Belgium, played for Antwerp in the, the latest season over in Europe. And if people want to hear a an interview with Vrenz over on your YouTube channel, NBA Draft Junkies, I will put a link to your channel here in the YouTube description. You had a, a big interview with Vrenz uh, over on the channel. So just uh, give us your take on uh, Mr. Blyenberg here. Vrenz is one of my favorite players in this draft class. I feel like I was one of the the people that got on him early. I had him on my podcast, man, I don't, I don't know, maybe like October or, or November. I know it was early. And I mentioned that I thought he had potential to be a first-round pick, which may have been a little bit um, off-base then. I think I still believe to this take to this day, talent-wise, he has the potential to be a first-round pick. He's 6'10". He's a ball handler. He can shoot the ball. He can pass the ball. Reminds me of, of Chandler Parsons and not the injured Chandler Parsons that played in Memphis, but – the Chandler Parsons in Houston and maybe his first year in Dallas where he was able to, you know, just kind of make plays for other people at 6'10", knock down open shots, could, you know, be their pick and roll ball handler. And I think that's Vrenz's upside. So I'm really high on Vrenz and um, he's someone that I've actually been able to, you know, talk to a lot during this draft process. Um, we are supposed to meet up. In, uh, in in Miami, he's supposed to do some pre-draft training in, in Miami, and I'm supposed to meet up there with him and get some content. But I'm high on Vrenz. I, I think that he could be the still of the draft. He's still a little underrated. Um, you know, he wasn't invited to the the NBA Combine, which I, I thought would have been a good showcase for him. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens on draft day. Do you know what the plan is for Vrenz if he is drafted? Is he coming over to the NBA this season? Will he stay in Europe? Was there any, no sort of concrete decision made there? Um, at least to my knowledge, he's the the goal is for him to come over here and and play. That that would be the goal. Okay, so he is a, a guy. Look, he took over five three point attempts per game in twenty six minutes. So not afraid to shoot it from deep. Just thirty four percent. He was at thirty two the year before and thirty five the year before that. So he's you know, taking threes, and there was low volume in those first two seasons, but in low minutes. But this was the year he really got himself into a larger role here in Antwerp, and that's a lot of threes to be taking. Over 50% of his shots coming from deep. Interestingly, the free throw percentage doesn't marry up to a guy that you think can become an elite three-point shooter, but averaging three and a half assists as a you know, 6'10 power forward in 26 minutes a game in the European game, is an impressive number and something that does deserve our attention. And you mentioned yeah, that he can be somewhat of a ball handler in that Chandler Parsons role. And I think people forget that Chandler Parsons was a really good player and also a guy yeah. that could facilitate quite a bit of offense out there over on the wing. So as a second-round player, Blyenberg does have some real um, some real impact or could have some real impact as a rotation player. So just a, a name to be aware of and uh, go check out Raphael's interview with him over on his uh, NBA Draft Junkies YouTube channel. Raphael, we're going to end today's show. It's part one because you're going to be back tomorrow to talk about another bunch of prospects. So just give people a plug of, of what you do and where they can find you. And then uh, we'll, we'll come back and uh, we'll speak to you again tomorrow. All right. Yeah, you can find me on Locked on NBA Draft. My show is every Monday and Thursday. Kind of has a, 
I don't know, I guess uh, my own unique twist and flavor to the show. And then uh, my YouTube channel, NBA Drive Junkies. Um, just type it on YouTube. I have this ridiculous goal. I don't know if I can reach it, but I'm going to try to. It is to put out 100 videos, prospect videos, between actually before the draft. I think I got about 30 done now. Maybe I have about 70 left. And so I've been trying to put out something every day. And the last one I put out was Bones Highland. So if you go right now, Bones Highland uh, scouting report is up there. And then I have my NBA Draft Junkies website where I have the videos on there and, and I'll have some player profiles. Cool. Go and check out all of Raphael's stuff at all of those locations. But don't forget as well, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, the Odyssey app on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Flick the notification bell. Thumb me right up. Drop a comment down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.